Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. It's always interesting bringing a Mother's Day or a Father's Day type message. Sometimes the, uh, the special days are hard year after year after year. And, and so leading up to the today, I wasn't necessarily looking for a Mother's Day type message, but one that would really just bless everybody. And we're kicking off a series called Family Life. And so we, we're, we're going to start today. We're going to actually carry this all the way through Father's Day. And we got a real special treat on Father's Day. We'll let you know soon about what that is, and so we're we're going to be uh, working towards uh, the family and life aspect, the whole series. I want you to come. Don't miss an installment if you have to miss, and uh, maybe you could grab it online if you're at home and maybe you're not feeling well, you're traveling, whatever that looks like, and certainly forward the links to people. And again, I, I, I promise you this will be uplifting and encouraging for your families. We'll talk about marriage as well, we'll talk about parenting, things like that, everything associated with the family or family life in this series. So you don't want to miss any of it. In fact, you want to be a really... Uh, forwarding it to other people because we're all struggling. We're all under attack, if you will. And, and so when we look at today, um, just a couple things uh, in Hebrews, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting chapter, Hebrews 11. I don't know if I told you Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, when I went to Bible school, it was emphasized over and over again. I already knew this because my dad emphasized it over and over again, but Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And we're a faith church, and we believe in the message of faith, and we grew up on the message of faith. We preach the message of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so very familiar with this passage of Scripture in Hebrews 11. And there's some interesting things in there. I don't know that we see. Every time we read it, I don't know how often you're in it. I love to preach out of it because I love to talk about faith. But there's three different pictures in Hebrews 11 we're going to look at today that really speak to the family. Now, what's interesting to me is Hebrews 11 if we're calling it the Hall of Fame of Faith, it is heroes of faith. It is, it is people that we would think that did huge exploits and they accomplished mighty things. And, and you'll see a Samson in there. And Samson killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And you'll see uh, people in there like David will be listed in there. You'll see, uh, you'll see uh, others like uh, Joshua in there. You'll see uh, people that have uh, done great exploits from uh, uh, Gideon is in there. Uh, you'll see people that raise people from the dead or, or the power of God moved and the dead were raised. And you, you see armies defeated by few people. You'll see conquered cities by few people. And my point is you see these huge accomplishments and you think, yeah, they're heroes. They're heroes of faith. We're going to talk about them for eternity, and then God put them in the book, and I don't know there could be any greater acknowledgement than being in Hebrews 11, amazing things done by these heroes of faith, yet in the middle of this chapter, there are three stories that really seem out of place compared to the others. It doesn't seem like they should be there at all in the Hall of Fame of Faith with all these other heroes. It doesn't seem like they really fit hero status, if you will, but there is one thing in common with all three of these stories these people will look at this morning, and all three of them saved their families. It's interesting. So here you have great victories and great battles and turning back the enemy and conquering cities and defeating lions and giants and bears. And I'm not going to go there. <laughs> You're waiting for that one. And all these things are happening. And then you have these three stories of these people that really their accomplishment might seem insignificant to others. But to God, it put them in the Hall of Fame of Faith. And it was that they saved their families. How important is it to God? How important, therefore, it should be about saving our families. They didn't just do big miracles. They didn't do all the other things the others are listed for. They, they're heroes in God's eyes because they had faith to save their family. I think that's important today that we have to understand that the one, number one most important thing you can do 
is get saved. The next most important thing you can do is make sure your family is. And in God's eyes, that makes you a family hero. I mean, you may seem insignificant, the struggle is hard, the struggle is real, and everything seems stacked against you, but I'm telling you, you are heroic in God's eyes if you're working to get your family saved. And I think that needs to come to life in us in today's world. You don't don't wanna get to heaven and not have your family there. And the most important thing that we can do in our lives and the most important thing that we can do in the lives of those around about us is share with them, get them in a place where they can find God. And looking at this, God thinks that getting your family saved is something amazing. And in fact, you may not seem like a success or feel like a success, but God says you're a success. He says you're a hero. And these three in particular individuals will read in just a moment. In fact, let me go ahead and start reading Hebrews 11, seven. Let's take a look at these three. You'll see this by faith. Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark. Listen to this next phrase. He prepared an ark for what? The saving of his household. Now, wait a minute. I thought Noah would be in this because he made an ark that so two of every species could come on board so when the flood came, then they could be perpetuated. They could come back and populate the earth. But in the Hall of Fame of Faith where the heroes are listed, it says he is a hero because he built an ark for the saving of his household. Really, he's a hero because he saved eight people, he and his wife and then his three sons and their wives, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So Noah is a hero. He's a hero in God's eyes. Let's take a look on down to verse 23, Hebrews 11, 23. And this, uh, here's talking about Moses. By faith, Moses, now listen to this. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. You know who the real hero is right here in the scripture? It's not Moses, it's Moses' parents. Moses' parents made the book as heroes because they saw that he was a beautiful child, much like my mom did when she saw me, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Why are you laughing? I'm still a beautiful man. I don't care what you say. I don't know. Now down to verse 31. So here we have Noah for the saving of his household. Then we have Moses whose parents hid him. And now we have one more here in verse 31. And if there was ever one that would be the least likely to be in the Hall of Fame of Faith, even if we're talking about family, perhaps it would be this one. And look how it reads. By faith, the harlot, there's, you have to have that label, right? By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she, received, when she had received the spies with peace. And in just a moment, we'll get to Rahab's story. In fact, that's the first one we'll start with. But understand, these three scenarios, these three pictures, they're in the Hall of Fame of Faith, heroic individuals, heroic people, because they saved their families. I love that idea. I love that picture there. It's important for you and I to understand what is of priority to God, what God looks at as heroic and successful. Let's take a look at Rahab. As I said, we'll start with her. Uh, kind of shocking to see her in Hebrews 11. Uh, and, and you see that the wording there in the Bible was intentional. It's Rahab the harlot. This is in Hebrews. It's referring back to an Old Testament story we'll look at in the, in the book of Joshua. And it's an Old Testament story that, that deals with the Jericho, the city of Jericho, as God's people were coming to conquer it. And Rahab is there in the city, and in that moment in time and life, that was her profession. That's what she did, but God thought it was important to add it into Hebrews, and I believe this is the reason why. It's because God wanted to include that detail about her so he could say to anyone listening that there is nothing more powerful in your background that's more powerful than the grace and mercy of Jesus. When you think you're the least likely to be a hero, God says, I got you. 
I don't do hero stuff. I'm not worthy to be heroic. I'm not worthy to be in the same sentence or in the same room with them. And God says, I got you covered with my grace and my mercy. No one is too far gone or too bad. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your past was. God's concerned about your future. It doesn't matter where you came from, what you've done. God can turn you and your whole family into heroes for his kingdom. Now, Hebrews 11 mentions uh, her there in Jericho by this title, Arlet. But in Matthew, in the New Testament, years after the story actually took place, and understand Hebrews is referring back to the Old Testament story, but if you follow her story and you look in the book of Matthew, in Matthew 1, you see the genealogy of Jesus or the lineage or the line of Jesus, and you see her mentioned again, but it does not have harlot, it just says Rahab. So God redeemed her. And God brought her to a place that she ultimately was part of the line of David, therefore the line of Jesus. In fact, if you know your Bible history, she birthed Boaz. Boaz was a mighty man of God in the scripture. If you know the story of Ruth, Ruth ended up marrying Boaz. And then she was, if I'm not mistaken, I believe she was the great, great grandmother of David, of King David. It's amazing what God did with her. And let's go on with her story uh, that there's two spies that go out and spy out the land of Jericho as David sends them. I'm sorry, as Joshua sends them. They're coming across the Jordan River to the promised land. The first obstacle is Jericho. He sent spies into there. And so the spies were, they were found out. The king of Jericho found out there were spies in the land. So they ended up going to Rahab's house to be hidden. And she, she hides them. And so she takes them up onto her roof, it said. And, and she hides them there. And she tells them, she goes, I'm going to hide you from the king, but I want something in return. And she could have asked for anything because they're like, if you'll hide us and get us out of here safely, you can have whatever you want. She could have asked for money. She could have asked for position. She could have asked for land. She could have asked for property, title, whatever she wanted. She could have wrote her own ticket. But take a look at Joshua 2, what it says in verse 12. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I've shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. She goes, here's what I want from you. Now listen to what she says. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. I'm going to do this for you, but I want a promise. And God made a promise through those spies that he would save her and her whole household. What a promise to hold in your heart. Amen. That God has a promise that he wants to save you and your whole household and all they have. And hey, listen, that's pretty bold for this prostitute. She has a lot of nerve and a lot of audacity to say that, listen, I'll do this if you do this. But she said, all I want is for my family to be saved. Now take a look at Joshua 2, 17 through 18. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless when we come into the land, now listen to this, you bind this line of scarlet. They gave her a scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Her house was on the wall. The back of her house was part of the wall of the city. They let them down by the scarlet cord. And unless, now listen to this, unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's households to your own home. They said, get your family in the house. 
You want the promise of God to be fulfilled? You want them to be saved, rescued, delivered, free? Then get your family in the house. You have to hang this scarlet cord uh, out the window and then get your family in the house where the scarlet cord hangs. What Rahab did to be a hero is she got all her family in the house where the scarlet cord hangs or hung. Now listen, the scarlet cord represents the blood and sacrifice of Jesus. Get your family in the house that's under the blood of Jesus or the sacrificial lamb. Come on, somebody. What she's saying is, get your family in the house and they will be saved. Come on, t- today's interpretation, get your family in church where they recognize and acknowledge the blood of Jesus covers this place, that we're covered by the blood of the lamb, that we're saved and we're delivered and we're free because of the blood of the lamb. Get your family under the blood of Jesus. Get them in the house of God. That's your job. That's what she says. How is she a hero and the heroes of faith? She got her family in the house that was covered by the scarlet thread of the blood of Jesus. God says, if you get your family in the house that is protected, washed by, submitted to, acknowledging the blood of the lamb, you are a hero. And the house where the blood of the lamb is, there is miracles, there is protection, there is salvation, there is deliverance, there is freedom, there is healing, there is all you need, but you gotta get them in the house. Any one of her family was in the house was saved. If they were not, they were not saved. And can you picture it? I can't, I, I just imagine, and this is me, I don't know if you think this way, I kind of try and put myself in the story. I can't imagine all her family. The house must have been packed full. They weren't big houses at the time. Must have been packed full. Half of them were mad to be there. Why are we here again? Because crazy Aunt Rahab what? Right? There's nowhere to sit. There's too many people. Or someone's already in my seat. Come earlier. I'm just telling you, okay? I had to be an overflow in the bathroom. I don't know anyway. So someone was in some... There's a long line. It's hot. How long do we have to be here? When will this be over? Half were asleep and half were on their phone in Rahab's house. I don't know. I'm just picturing it myself. Half are making to-do lists and half are talking about where they wanted to eat when that was finally over. Hey, listen, sometimes it can be inconvenient. Sometimes it's not easy. Some don't want to get out of bed. Some want to go to the chariot races. Some want to go hang out at Lake Jericho or float the Jordan River. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's just truth. But this girl, Rahab, understood that their salvation, their rescue was dependent upon getting everyone in her family in the house under the scarlet thread. She knew that. Her job was just to get them in the house. Their grace would get a hold of them. Love would get a hold of them, amen? God would get a hold of them. Salvation would get a hold of them. Miracles would get a hold of them there. Guess what? God honored what he said. Parents, your job is to get them in the house. Church is not the lesser of priorities. It's not. Church is not when I have nothing else to do. It's not. You gotta be in the house. Church is where you can come up under the blood where Jesus can save you, deliver you, set you free, heal you. You can be restored, refreshed, renewed, rescued, encouraged, built up, and protected. Get your family in the house and God says you're a hero. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. But God says you're a hero, you're a success. Regardless of whatever else you do, get your family in the house so they can be saved, set free, rescued, and you're a success, you're a hero in God's eyes. So she hid the promise that God was gonna save them in her heart. Okay, think about this, because then we know the people of God come, so therefore, in a sense, if we say it this way, judgment comes, the day comes, 
And you can imagine him being in the house and the house on the left falling. And you can imagine him hearing the rumbling and the house on the right falling and collapsing. And you can imagine that and how the family members must have come to Rahab and said, I didn't want to be here and I called you crazy and I said this was stupid, but thank you. Thank you for not quitting on me. Thank you for nagging me. Thank you for insisting that I get in the house. You kept insisting that I kept coming. You wouldn't let me go. You kept after me. They may call you crazy. They may call you a fanatic. They may call you old-fashioned. They may say that that church is for other people. It's not for me. That, That church is for back then, not for today. I don't want it. I don't need it. But you kept insisting that we be in the house. And parents, I want to say in this day and age, it still works. It's still true. It's still right. It still matters. It's still the greatest thing you can do on Sunday. Get up and take your family to church, even if they don't want to go. I remember my dad told me, it didn't matter how old I was, back and forth in the house, out of the house at school, in back, Bible school, it didn't matter when I came home. My dad told me when I was a teenager and young adult, you live in my house, you live under my roof, you eat my food, you sleep here, you will go to church. Yes, sir. In my house. I mean, are you the parents? I'm just saying. My dad said, you eat here, you sleep here, use my electricity, use my water, you're going to be in church. And you can roll your eyes at me all day long, son, and you can gripe and whine. It does not matter. You live here, you'll be in church. Yes, sir. Because here's what my mom and dad knew. My mom and dad knew if they could get me to the place under the scarlet thread, under the blood of Jesus, if they could get that, that blood over me, if, if I may get into sin one day, I may get out and wander, but, but if they were going to get that scarlet cord fastened around me, then no professor, no culture, no girlfriend, no partying, no drinking was going to hold me long because the blood of Jesus was more powerful than anything in this world. Get him in the house. And you just saw in that video, you saw my brother, my sister, and I, and we had our moments, especially Jeff. <laughs> I hope you, he might be here second service. But man, they got us in the house. It wasn't optional. And we went and we did our thing, but we, all, we came back. And now my brother's pastor in Ottawa de Vida in Mexico. My sister and her husband are pastor in one chapel in Austin. And I'm just saying that we came back. Because they fasten the cord around our hearts. Come on, we thank God for the blood. Amen. We thank God for the blood. Fasten it on their heart. Everybody, everybody, every day needs to plead the blood of Jesus over your family. Fasten that scarlet cord around their heart. And then when they're old, they'll come back, the Bible says. They'll come back and they'll thank you one day. Rahab was a hero because she saved her family. And all she had to do was get him in the house. Noah, second story we looked at already. Noah, it says he saved his household. He built an ark of safety for the saving of his household. Eight people, he and his wife, his three sons, their three daughters. God gave him a mission. Here's what I want to encourage you. And God gave him a mission. When Noah was 500 years old, God gave him a mission. So Noah's speaking today to those of you who think it's too late. They're too old now. They got their own families. Can I tell you, Noah says it's never too late. It's never too late to save your household. 500 years old when he started on this mission, which tells me for those who would say, I waited too long, it's too late. No, it's not. It's never too late. 500 when God said, I need you to build an ark for the saving of your family. His kids were grown. And God said, it's never too late to save your family. Never too late to build an ark of safety. God told Noah to build an ark for the saving of your family. Listen to this. All of Noah's family helped him work on the ark 
Rahab got her family in the house, but listen to this. Noah got his family involved in the work of the house. Noah got his family involved in the cause of God. So it's one thing to get him in the house, and it's a whole other thing to get him involved in the cause of God. Every one of them worked on the ark. Every one of them worked on the house. Everyone worked on the cause of God. While other people were involved in other causes that meant nothing, their family was involved in the cause of God, building the kingdom. He had them involved. Let me say it this way. He had them involved in kids' ministry, had them involved in youth ministry, had them involved in music ministry, had them involved in running cameras, had them involved in outreach. Come on, had them involved in the cafe. He had them involved in the cause of the work of the Lord. Noah saved eight, including he and his wife, but he had his family involved. Can I say this this morning? You want to be a hero in God's sight? Get your family involved in the cause of God. You don't just come and go, and I'm not just talking about here. Get your family involved in the cause of God. Much of their life, if we could understand it this way, picturing it, much of their life revolved around boat building, (laughs) or in other words, much of their life revolved around the cause of God. Not only were Jeff and Amy and I in the house of God, we were involved in the house of God. In fact, when the church first started, we were the volunteers. Not very happy, not very willing. Lots of grumbling and complaining, for sure. But we were, the, we were the perpetual volunteers. We did everything. We kept saying, Dad, this is your church. And he said, again, you eat here, you sleep here. Yes, sir, I'll get in the car. I'll be waiting for you in the car. <laughs> but it changed my life. Being a part of the cause of God changes your life as opposed to the causes of this world. Get your family involved in the work of the Lord. It's the cause of God. The Duncans just weren't a Christian family. We were a kingdom-building family together. We were working and building for the saving of households. And don't think that we're in the ministry today because our parents are in the ministry because you want to look at statistics. That's the thing kids don't want to do when their parents are in ministry. And my dad sat us down one time and said, son, He goes, anything else you ever want to do, do it. (laughs) My mom sat me down one day, son, if there's anything else you ever have, have anything else in your heart to do, do it. But we were, we had God done something in our hearts and we were, we didn't become in the ministry because of my parents were in the ministry. We, We realized for ourselves we wanted to be a part of this, part of the cause of God in our lives. And Noah was a family hero because God was the center of their family life. The cause of God was the center of their family life. And when I think of building God's cause, God's home, God's ark of salvation, I, th- I think of it this way. Listen, listen, we all want to build an ark of salvation. You know how we do that? Then we attend and we pray. That's building and we give. That's building and we serve. That's building. That's a part of God's cause. And if we want our kids to be a part of God's cause, guess who they're going to watch? They're going to watch us. They're going to watch us if we're part of the cause. We're teaching our kids to be a part of God's cause because understand, there are causes in this world that will grab your kids' attention. See, I I want my kids to be God-cause-centered. So when it's time for them to go out there on their own, I want to know that I provided them an ark of safety. Because here's the reality. When the hard times come, I don't want my kids to be treading water. I want, I want my life centered around God's cause and they grow up in God's cause, serving God's cause. So when the storm comes and the rain falls and the waters rise, my kids aren't out there treading water. Or my kids aren't out there trying to grab everything that floats by, everything that comes by. 
thinking that's their salvation. But you gotta be working centered around the cause of God so they'll know. I want them to have an arc of safety. I want them to know what truth is, God's truth. What's God's truth? Anything he says <laughs> is truth. And, the, and listen to this, and the ark was God's design. I, I don't know, and there's different facts and figures depending on how you measure things, but listen, the ark was 450 feet long, 75 feet high, 45 feet wide, rectangle with three decks. God was designing this boat to be built by the, for the storm it would face. It wasn't a cruise ship. <laughs> it wasn't the good ship lollipop. It wasn't the Titanic, thank God or we'd have no more animals. <laughs> it was God's design to survive the storm. Come on, somebody. God built the ark of safety to, to, to survive the storms of life, not for comfort or convenience. The way you think or the world think it should be built, God's gonna give you a plan for your family. His cause has a plan attached to it. And listen, God's plan is to build you so you can survive the flood or the storms of life, you and your family. You may not like the dimensions. They may not look very pretty. I don't I want to build it differently. I think it should have four stories, not three. Guess what? God's design is to withstand the storm. You got to get around God's cause. Get your family involved in God's cause. You know, one more fun fact about the ark. The ark was pitched, pitched on the inside and on the outside, the Bible says in Genesis 6. How do you keep the water out? It's pitched on the outside. Well, is that good enough? Well, just in case it's pitched on the inside. I love that picture because you need to be covered. Listen to me. You need to be covered on the outside and on the inside. In other words, what you do publicly needs to match what you do privately, and what you do privately needs to match what you do publicly. Why? Because your kids will see if you're just living for Sunday, but living for the world the other six days of the week or not. And so we need to be pitched on the outside and on the inside. Our inside needs to match our outside. Our outside needs to match our inside. So we're building an ark of safety for our kids. So it's not just about Sundays, it's about seven days a week. Our kids need to see us serve God, get in the word, pray, worship, serve others, be generous and love, Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday. The ark was designed for the storms that will inevitably come to your house and storms come, the Bible says. Storms will come to your family. Storms will come to your marriage. Storms will come to your children, yours and mine. And we need to be building an ark of safety. And people mocked them and people laughed at them and they made fun of them until one day they heard a sound they never heard before. What was that rumbling right there? What was that? Did you hear that? I don't know. Thunder. So when that sky grew dark and the wind began to blow and the thunder rolled and the lightning flashed across the sky and the rain, which they had never seen, started falling from heaven and so much so that the water, the water began to flood the earth and the ark and all those in it began to rise above the flood in safety. And when you get your family in the house to be saved, God calls you a hero. And when you get your family involved in the cause of God, God calls you a hero, a success. Noah was a success because he got his family involved in the cause of God. One more, wrap it up with Moses. Let's take it away. I already took a look at that scripture, but Moses' parents, it mentions Moses' parents hit him for three months. There was a decree in the land, Pharaoh issued a decree to kill all the, all the midwives were supposed to kill the Hebrew babies when they were born. And that wasn't happening because they refused to do it. So then they, they went after just killing the little born babies. And Moses' parents, which is really who made the Hall of Fame of Faith, his parents, he had a father named Amram and his mother named Jochebed. 
And Pharaoh sent out the decree to kill all the Hebrew babies, and it said Moses' parents hid Moses for three months. You want to be a hero in God's, in God's eyes? Hide your family. Now listen to me for a second. Here's what I mean. Protect them from the world. Don't let their ears be exposed to harmful things. Don't let their eyes be exposed to harmful things. Protect them, guard them. I know there comes a time, you can't hide them forever, but in their formative years, and that can be all the way up to 21, you need to set some boundaries. You need to protect them from the world that wants to destroy them. So Moses' parents made the hall of fame of faith as heroes because they hid Moses when the world wanted to destroy him. You can't hide them forever, but in the formative years, you need to make sure that you guard them and protect them. Help guard their mind. Help guard their heart. Don't expose them or let them be exposed to things they don't need to see or hear. How about having some convictions? Some convictions about modesty, some convictions about purity, about language, about TV, about movies, music, video games, internet, Hulu, Netflix, Snapchat. On and on and on it goes. You don't just let them go do whatever they want to do. You got to hide them under the shadow of the Almighty. Hide them in the things of God. That's your job. You're a hero. Everybody else might say, You're a fanatic, you're crazy. You're old fashioned, but in God's eyes, you're a hero. You're a success when you protect them from the things of this world. Know what they're watching, know what they're listening to, know what they're doing, because it's forming and shaping something inside of them. And one day they'll go out, I get it, but while those things are being developed in them, guard them, protect them. Even up into the teen years, up to 21, they say there's things still being developed in them. Hide them from things that will destroy their life. At some point, Jochebed couldn't hide him anymore. So he wove, the Bible says, he wove a basket. She wove, rather, a basket of bulrushes or reeds, took it, wove it together. And can you imagine? You know what? You know what? I, I, I picture this in my mind, what she was doing. She wasn't just weaving reeds together. She was weaving her prayers into his life. She was weaving her faith into his life. She was weaving her, her convictions into his life, her morals, her values. She's weaving the things of God. She's weaving things about God's people. She's weaving the stories of God into his life. Why? Because one day he'll have to know those things when he gets out there. And then she knows she has to release him out into the Egyptian system, which is a type and shadow of the world. She knew one day, but she was weaving her prayers, weaving her love, weaving the faith and the things of God into him as she released him out into the Egyptian society or into the world, if you will. She was doing all that. So one day when they were trying to teach him about the gods of Egypt, they were trying to teach him about all the gods they worship and why. They were trying to teach him about the way of the world or the way of the Egyptian, that one day he'd be the one in Genesis that would write, in the beginning, God. That one day he'd be the one in Deuteronomy that would write, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That one day he would be the one to write the first five books of the Bible. Oh, he was educated in Egypt, but his mother raised him up in the things of God. And it got on the inside of that boy. And when he got old enough, look at what he said, Hebrews 11, 24 through 26, or what's said about him. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm not of this world choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he, for he looked to the reward. That one day he chose God for himself because she hid him, protected, 
guarded. Uh, the influences and imparted wove things into his life, into his mind, so that one day when he, you can't hide him forever, one day when he was released into the Egyptian society or into this world, he chose God. There's power in hiding our children in the things of God. The devil wants to take their lives. The devil wants to take their future, but we hide them under the shadow of the Almighty. And you know what that makes you? Not a crazy parent, not an old-fashioned, old-school parent, not an overprotective, not living in reality parent. That makes you a hero in God's eyes. That makes you a success in God's eyes. And I want to please God more than I want to please man. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. And I want to raise godly children. And one day I know when I fasten that scarlet rope around their neck because I get them in the house of God, one day, no matter where they may wander, what happens, they will come back again. And I want to make sure that they're involved in the cause of God because one day the storm will come to their life and they don't need to be treading water or grabbing anything that floats by. They need to know that God has an ark of safety for them. And one day I want to have hid them in the things of God so when the world comes at them, they can stand up and make the right choices. And you know what that Makes me that makes me a hero in God's eyes, and nothing else matters then. You're a hero. You're a hero. Moms, you're a hero. Dads, you're a hero. You can be a hero. You can be a hero. That makes you successful. Doesn't matter what the world says, doesn't matter what you got materialistically, doesn't matter how much you make, doesn't matter where you live, what you drive. What matters is. If you get your family in the house of God and you get them involved in the cause of God and you hide them under the shadow of his mighty wing, and what matters is you are a success and God says you're a hero. We need to be heroic. We need to be heroic. We don't need to be like the world. We don't need to fit in, blend in. We need to be heroic. In today's world, we need to, as I said earlier, Nehemiah, fight for our family because God has a plan and purpose and we cannot sit idly by. Because this world is coming at our families, coming at our marriages, coming at our kids like never before. You don't need me to stand up here telling you that. You see it every single day in the world that we live in. And I get it. It's hard. I get it. It's hard. It was hard for Rahab. Who do you think you are? Look at the way that you live. Like people speaking bad down her, treating her bad. She had no value in the eyes of people, in the eyes of men. But yet she became in the lineage of Jesus because she decided, I'm gonna save my household. And then you look at the story, Noah building a boat. What's a boat? What's rain? You're crazy. And the, the world mocked him and made fun of him. And his kids didn't wanna work every day. Their spouse, what are we marrying to this family? To, all we did is build a boat. What is a boat? But the storm came. That, was, that boat was built for the storm. You gotta get your kids involved in the cause of God. And, I can't imagine Moses' mom as she's looking at her little boy and then she's weaving all these things together. This weaving all the time that it took and dreaming about his future and thinking about the world that he'll be in, but knowing that as she's imparting something from God that it will remain. And here's the great thing about that story. I don't know if you know the rest of the story, but she actually then was able to raise him. She, she was the nanny. She, she nursed him. She raised him. She, she did everything for him. And she began to continue to speak into his life. You know the great thing, ladies? You know the great thing is? She raised him and got paid for it. That'd be nice. There's not, there's not enough money that we could pay moms today. But I'm telling you, God is a faithful God. Hold on to his promise. Get your family in the house 
under the scarlet thread. Get him involved in the cause of the work of the Lord and hide them, protect them, especially in the formative years from this world that is coming to try and steal them away. And you know what? You're a hero. God is a good God. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.